0: Hello, I'm your host, Donald Altman, and welcome to Pathways, where you're invited to join us for a visit with leaders in personal and cultural transformation. In today's world, what does it mean to fit in? We're always trying to do this in some form or another, whether it's to get approval or just move through life smoothly. Well, on today's program, we're going to ask the following question. Is it okay for us to feel out of place, misunderstood, or just be different? Were you that kid who was maybe too creative, too shy, or too weird? And now as an adult, you're not quite sure where you fit in or if you even want to? To help explore how our differences also make us special is Chris Ferraro. She's an author, international energy coach, teacher, and speaker. She's the creator of Spiritual Freedom Techniques, and that's a process of combining spiritual practices and principles with energy balancing, in order to enhance personal transformation. Chris was a former punk rocker, radio DG, and performance artist who struggled with severe social anxiety. And it was through healing that she was finally able to uncover her purpose and truly shine without panic. Now, she's written uh, the Amazon.com bestseller, Energy Healing, Simple and Effective Practices to Become Your Own Healer, and the book, Manifesting. The simple practical guide to creating the life you want which distills 10 years of her best metaphysical teachings and her new book that we'll be talking about today is your difference is your strength and i love that title Uh, the book is filled with real life examples personal stories journal prompts and practical wisdom your difference is your strength is designed to help anyone identify their own brand of weird right and harness that power in their outlook, relationships, work, and life. Well, it's an honor and a pleasure to have Chris Ferraro here with us today. Hello, Chris, and welcome to the Pathway show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's always wonderful to connect with other uh, like-minded people.
0: Oh, well, thank you., uh, you know, your book is very much about self-acceptance and non-judgment. I think that's so important. And so I was wondering maybe you could share with us a little bit of your personal journey that led you, led you on this path toward writing such a book?
1: Well, I was one of those people that from my earliest memories just felt different. I felt different than everyone around me. I didn't know what that was. And later on, as I moved into childhood, there was lots of examples about how different I was. Um, I was a head taller than everyone in my class, including the boys. That was all the way up until middle school. I was incredibly clumsy and um, really uncoordinated. So I really struggled with simple things like jumping rope and playing jacks. I had two uh, learning disabilities that were not diagnosed because they didn't do that back then. So, So the way that I interpreted information was different. And I also had a spiritual life. You know, I had invisible friends that were saints and angels that I talked to as a little kid. And so I was very weird and very, very, very different.
0: Now, your book is very much about self-acceptance and non-judgment too. And so how much of I mean how did you learn to just accept that you were different in that way? I mean having visible friends, I I think that's fantastic personally. <laughs> and uh and so that's you know having an imagination is so important. You talk about that in your book too.
1: Well, it's really really important for um all of us to love and accept ourselves. And there was a time that I very much wanted to um fit in and be like everyone else and belong, right? We want that for love. We want that for companionship. And then there was a time where I completely rebelled against it. So I just became a punk rocker. I shaved my head when I was in the eighth grade. I said, you know what? You don't want me. Well, I don't want you either. And so, you know, a lot of my life was going back and forth between those two different states. It's when I finally just let it all go and finally just accepted all of the parts of me that I really got to just unapologetically be myself. And here I had thought, like many of us think, that to be able to have the kind of lives that we want, that we have to fit in. And yet I found that the more that I accepted all the parts of myself, the ones I liked and the ones that I don't, that life started to work very, very well for me. The more unique that I became, the more myself I became, the easier life became and the better it became in every way. Yeah, so instead really- of
0: fighting or resisting those parts of ourselves, that was a great quote from uh, it's a Buddhist teacher, Pema Chodron, who said, uh, and I'll paraphrase here, she said, you most, might be the most miserable person in the world, the most addicted, the most depressed person. That's the best place to start.
1: Yes. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. So, you know, it was really um, interesting that I when I went against what prevailing thought was, that's when life started to really work.
0: Yeah, how do you now? And you're in eighth grade. I mean, if you shave your hair up, how did your family respond to that? How did you? Uh, uh, what was not that like?
1: Fans of me in general. <laughs> so <laughs> I was the the youngest, uh, way younger than my three far older siblings. Um, they, my parents were older, did not have a lot of patience for me. And I was very much the rebel in every way. So they struggled with me a lot <laughs> and they were, I think, probably very embarrassed by me, um, ashamed of me in a lot of ways. Um, and yet, um, I think I'm doing pretty well now. So <laughs> I guess it worked out.
0: How important was it to get acceptance from your family at some point? I mean, and, and how is that relationship with them? changed nowadays for you?
1: I think it was extremely important in childhood until I think I came to a realization that that just wasn't going to happen. And so I think that that's when the real rebellion kicked in. It was like, well, if I'm not going to get my needs met or be treated the way that I want to be treated, well, then, you know, then I'm going to do whatever I want kind of thing. Uh, I think that it has changed a lot. Um, My father is deceased, but my mother is still here at, at 90 and and kicking butt and taking aims and volunteering at hospice twice a week. So she's very healthy and alive. And I think that our relationship has changed in a lot of ways. And I think that she can, in hindsight, really appreciate my courage, my bravery for, you know, going my own way and crafting a life that really worked for me, even when she didn't understand it. So I think that she very much values it now. And I think that my siblings also have come around and and value who I am in my own way.
0: Well, that's nice. And, and, uh, you know, I think it's standing in your own power was important, for you. And you have something in your book called misfit to trailblazer uh, journaling practices. And I thought that was really great to have people be able to write down their thoughts and have those ideas. Uh, Could you explain what you mean by misfit to trailblazer?
1: Well, what I found many years ago was that the misfits of the world are also the trailblazers of the world. That when I read lots and lots of biographies of uh, famous people, people of note, that when I thought I would discover that they had had these sort of easy lives, that they were born into really loving and accepting families that had money and that everything just worked out easily for them, I actually found the opposite to be true. And it didn't matter if this was an actor, a musician, a politician, it didn't matter what field they were in when I looked at their history, these were people that had experienced feeling like a misfit and often had experienced great adversity. And it was out of that adversity when things were stacked against them that they had to turn within and turn to their own spirit, their own soul, their own selves, and embrace who they really were. And that ended up blazing a trail through different fields. So I share some of those in the book. One of them is David Bowie. There's many others that I share in the book. So what I want all the misfits of the world to know is that inside of them is a trailblazer that's aching to move forward and move them forward because it's the misfits of the world who see and look at things differently that move against the status quo that can bring fresh ideas and innovation in every type of field we can think of.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And what I like about it is kind of giving permission to allow that part of ourselves that maybe has been denied by others to shine and say, here, hey, here's something really special that I have. And it it also points out how it normalizes uh, the importance actually of of having struggles in our lives, right? If everything's so easy, maybe we don't have anything to push back against.
1: Oh, I really do believe that to be true. I work with a lot of young people um, in my uh, coaching practice who have had Um, lives in which their parents have turned themselves inside out to provide absolutely everything that they could possibly wish for. And those young people are struggling. You know, they are lacking in confidence, they're lacking in courage and resiliency. And so that's one of the things that I helped them to build up in the practice. And it's because they didn't have early experiences of that, because things really Uh, went the way that they wanted at the times that they wanted it. And so adversity challenges present lots of opportunity for us to grow internally, to grow courage and bravery, resiliency, but also to grow outwardly, Because, you know, there is no goal that comes unmet or unchallenged and we have to hold the course and we can hold the course if we've experienced adversity before and we know how to navigate that.
0: Yeah. And what do you say about the importance of uh, having a mentor, a guide, having having resources, having people around you who maybe can support you on your journey? How important is that, do you think?
1: Oh, I think it's incredibly important. Uh, one of the things I talk about in the book are um, uh, life preservers, right? That, that mm-hmm. the universe or whatever the higher power of each person's understanding is, we are thrown life preservers. And those life preservers often show up in the form of a mentor or a teacher or a guide. And I, throughout my life, had many, many, many of those that showed up in my life exactly when I needed them, who provided the the next phase for me of guidance, of wisdom, of spiritual teaching, of psychological teaching that enabled me to progress to the next step. And so I think that It's holding an intention and allowing that person to come into our life at the right time can be such a source of comfort also because, you know, misfits, we feel misunderstood or we feel unknown or people don't get us. It's important that we have. Um, these people that are usually older than us, even if it's just older by a couple of years that are further ahead on the path than we are, to offer that, oh, I see you, I see who you really are, and to reinforce that for us.
0: Yeah, you know, we're really on the same wavelength, because I was thinking about that chapter, uh, finding your life preserver and asking you about that. And and that's what you mentioned. So uh, can can you give us an example of maybe a um, somebody who was a life preserver for you in your life?
1: Oh, absolutely. My fourth grade teacher. I was a kid that was Pretty smart, but I wasn't a child genius. But between third and fourth grade, I was moved into a school for child geniuses. Uh, I did not have the family support. I had learning disabilities. And immediately this thing that I had been really good at, which was school, suddenly now I'm not doing so well, because in fourth grade, we're doing fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade level work in that class. And I had attention deficit disorder, I had problems focusing. So it was rarely, really challenging for me. And I became really, really stressed out while I was in that situation and developed a pretty serious anxiety disorder from there. Well, my fourth grade teacher introduced me to poetry. And poetry was one of those things where I was like, I feel like I've known this my, my whole life. I felt like I'd known it from another time or in another place. And so writing became this life preserver. I had really great concept of rhyme scheme, and I was a good artist, so I would illustrate my poems. And what happened is, is that I started journaling. So all of these big, intense, heavy feelings that I didn't have a place to go suddenly had a place to go. And that was onto the page. And so writing became a healing tool for me, one of my earliest ones and my longest lasting ones. And there's still times when I'm trying to make sense of a situation or who I am or what am I feeling to be able to turn to journaling has really been a life preserver but it really pulled me out of the abyss that i had been in in that classroom and in that school and and look now all these years later i'm an author of three books so it's incredible what shows up when it needs to show up
0: Oh, that's fantastic yeah i love hearing stories especially of authors and how they uh, came to uh, to write and to share that gift as really as a gift you have. What do you, what do you say if somebody's been traumatized? And I'm sure it sounds like that you've had some trauma that you had to deal with or bullied, for example, in, in school. And how um, how can the work that you're sharing here help somebody who's who's gone through that experience?
1: Well, trauma is actually one of the main things that I work with in my coaching practice. I was a deeply traumatized person in a lot of different ways and spent a lot of years processing that. And for me, the key was moving from the head to the body. That learning about nervous system regulation, learning about the power of the vagus nerve, learning about how our energy field works, what is a fight or flight response, what's a freeze response, when am I going in and out of those states, so learning how to provide uh, healing to my nervous system so that it could really operate at a functional way has changed everything my mental health my emotional health my physical health every aspect of health and well being has been shifted by this, and I don't write a lot about it in this book. I write, you know, I have a lot of journal exercises for people to look at the times they've been rejected or excluded, but I wrote an entire book called energy healing that the entire book is about how to process our own emotions and bring balance energetically to the body and change the way that we feel sometimes very very
0: quickly. That so is so important because it's so easy to get stuck up in the head. And I I've often said on this program how we can are very mental can be a very mental culture, right? And, and how important it is to drop into the body? And so I was really glad to hear you say that. Is there you know? In fact, I'm wondering if we could maybe share a short little uh, guided practice that brings people into the body is that something you'd be comfortable doing
1: absolutely there's a technique that i created that i share in my first book energy healing called the shush technique and i i call it the shush technique because if we've ever been shushed by someone you bring your finger up to your face and you go well i also call it that because it it shushes the nervous system from having a stress response so when we're in a stress response we're in sympathetic and this exercise moves us back into parasympathetic which is rest and digest mode and it does it actually very 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 quickly so what we're going to do so we're going to take an index finger we're going to bring it up to our face okay i'm going to follow
0: along with this too (laughs) yeah please yeah Yeah. please
1: do we're going to bring it up to our face And we're going to line that finger up instead of sideways, as if we are shushing someone, we're going to take it so that the palm side of the finger is going against the skin. And we're going to line it up right under the nose. And it's going to go straight down across the center of the lips and the chin. And you're just going to press that finger in. And I like to take my thumb and put it on one side of the chin and I curl my fingers around because you could even do this in a meeting if you're feeling stressed. It just looks like you're thinking about something really deeply. And as you press it in, you're just going to focus on the breath. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not doing it at the second so I can narrate what I'm doing, but now we're going to do it together. Oh, okay. So bring your finger up and let's press it in and focus on the breath.
0: Very common, very Very common.
1: And very quick and very easy and very effortless. It's a fast, 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 but can make a huge change. Now, I wasn't
0: pressing too hard, right? You're not pressing really hard, are you?
1: You had, yeah, you were sort of like airing it a little bit. I would recommend that you you indent it so that you kind of flatten your lips out, right? But it doesn't have to be hard. There should be no pressure or no pain whatsoever when you do this. But that is a quick little tip to get you out of a stress response. For me, it's within three seconds to four seconds. So you practice it, your body goes, oh, we're going into a a relaxation response. She's doing that thing again where she puts her finger up to her lips, right? And so the body becomes uh, like having a muscle memory of it. And so the more you do it, the better it becomes, the faster it works.
0: Well, that's a great practice. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, uh, you know, one of the things you you mentioned in your in your book is uh, how trailblazer superpowers are important. And one of the one of the superpowers that you mentioned that you experienced a lot was being underestimated. <laughs> and <laughs> and you had done a workshop. I'm I'm not going to give away the story. I'd like you to share it, but you'd done a workshop where you felt that that you were being underappreciated or underestimated. Can you share that story with us?
1: Yeah, I'm a public speaker. And so this often happens that I show up at a conference and I'm immediately dismissed. You know, I'm trying to introduce myself to people and circulate and be like, hey, I'm here. I'm speaking on such and such a day. And everybody's like, yeah, whatever, Chris, nice to meet you. And they're not so excited about me until I take the stage. And so, the story that I share is I was part of a team and they were putting on this big conference and they invited me to speak. And then, after that, they reminded me over and over and over again that I was not the star of the conference, that no one knows who I am, no one was caring that I was there. And I kept trying to tell them, I'm really good at this. Like, I'm going to do a good job, you know? And then I got sick and all of these circumstances happened, which I go into more detail in the book. And I arrived there. And everybody is like, oh, whatever. Yeah, she's going to be on that day. And I took the stage and I dominated. I did an incredible hour and a half presentation. I had I had audience participation. I had everyone moving and grooving to the rhythm of who I was and it was this incredible miraculous experience that happened cuz I was pretty compromised when I was there
0: Yeah I mean you <laughs> had to overcome this negativity that you were getting from these people right or just Yeah just oh I was getting,
1: I was getting a lot of it I had been sick and I was standing next to this big screen that had my slideshow my you know PowerPoint on and there was a picture of my headshot and this guy walked up to me and he looked at the headshot and he looked at me and he looked at the headshot and he looked at me he goes it doesn't look anything like you so i right, i'm a, I'm, a, I'm literally insulted for what i look like 3 seconds before i'm called to go on stage <laughs> and i ended up getting two standing ovations and had this just incredible experience and afterwards a real healing happened between me and the people that had invited me and through the rest of the conference, people kept pulling me aside and saying how moved they were, how inspired they were, how the information was important for what they needed to know. It was really, really an incredible experience. And I think when you're underestimated, then people don't get in your way. And that's a good thing.
0: Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. At the same time, you had to be able to uh, push aside that negativity. And how were you able to was there a process you had for for doing that?
1: Well, you know, I am a tapper. I'm an EFT practitioner. So that's a tapping on negative emotion. Emotional
0: emotional freedom technique.
1: Yep, that's right. I've been doing that for 20 years and it's a big part of my practice. So I know exactly what to do with negative thoughts and negative feelings, my own or ones that uh, other ones are having towards me. However, at that conference, it was a month after my father passed away. I was sick. My computer broke. There was a lot of things going on. My practice was to move into surrender. I basically just thought, come hell or high water, I'm getting up on that stage and whatever happens, happens. And if I, if it means I fail, I fail, but I'm going to get up there and I'm going to do it. And the second I surrendered to the experience, everything worked out better than I could have anticipated.
0: Yeah. A surrender is a very deep kind of acceptance, isn't it? It's not submission. It's not giving up, but yeah, it's very different from submission and maybe you could talk a little bit about surrender.
1: Oh, I love to talk about surrender because, you know, I wrote a book called Manifesting and I am a big manifester. However, at this stage in my life, I lead a very surrendered life and mostly what I need and when I need it shows up right on time. And it's not giving up. It's giving over. It's giving over to the higher self. It's giving over to the higher power of each person's own understanding. It's giving over in faith and knowing that everything is unfolding exactly as it's supposed to. And when you're in that place of complete non-resistance to whatever experience you find yourself in, life flows and life works very, very well and often works better than anything we could have actively tried to manifest on our own.
0: That's fascinating that uh, you talk about allowing... uh... Non-resistance to what is happening and how that allows flow. Yes, that's yeah.
1: well. Listen, I it comes from a long line of being highly resistant and stubborn.
0: <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I learned I learned the hard way. Believe me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's a great lesson to learn. Of course, I, you know, is there anything you'd like to share with our audience? We have a minute or uh, minute and a half left. Uh, something you'd like to leave with them? Some message or idea.
1: I would love everyone out there who has ever felt left out, who's ever felt like they were on the outside looking in to recognize that they are here on purpose for a purpose and that within them is a trailblazer that's just waiting to get out and that the healing that they can do to allow that to happen is the best investment of their time and energy because it's going to be like a butterfly coming out of the cocoon. And that there's an opportunity for them to have the greatest love affair they could ever have. And that's with their own self. And so um, I hope they, if it resonates with them, they check out my book.
0: Well, great, great. And I really enjoyed your book. You had a lot of interesting quotations from so many different people and some poets. So I can see your love of poetry in there. Well, thanks, Chris. I would love to talk longer. And there's a lot more we could explore. We've run out of time. Let's be sure to tell our listeners about your website chrisferraro.com and that's spelled as one word k-r-i-s ferraro dot com. is there any other website you that they might want to look at
1: oh yeah they can also go to yourdifferencesyourstrength.com
0: okay so yourdifferencesyourstrength.com and and or chrisferraro.com and that's where you can learn more about chris's books and work this is pathways host donald altman author of the new spiritual adventure novel, Travelers, a recipient of the 2023 Next Generation Indie Book Awards. My new Simply Mindful book series includes Simply Mindful, a seven-week course and personal handbook for mindful living, the Simply Mindful coloring book, and Simply Mindful Resilience. All contain easily accessible coping skills and tools. Information about my books, courses, and CDs can be found at mindfulpractices.com. In a second, I'll tell you how you can rewind and replay this interview, whatever you want, via the internet or as a free podcast. Today, we've been visiting with author Chris Ferraro, a teacher in the fields of personal growth and spirituality and relationships. I want to say thank you to all our listeners for tuning into Pathways, which is broadcast and streamed via KBOO-FM Sunday mornings at 8.30 USA Pacific Time. Podcasts of today's show, which you can listen to and forward to others, are available for free at divination.com, and that's spelled D-I-V-I nation.com, as well as via iTunes and other free podcast servers. This is Donald Altman, along with Pathways host, Paul O'Brien, reminding you to tell your friends about Pathways Radio and Podcasts. Thanks again to Chris Ferraro and to all of you listeners for tuning in and being a part of the Pathways Conversation.